0: This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It is meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of AGIST. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a super age? Welcome to episode 27 of the Super Age podcast. This will be dropping on March the 17th, 2021. And so this week what's been occupying my mind is the gym. Now, I'm just at this point fantasizing about going to the gym, but it's going to happen soon because I got my first shot a couple of weeks ago, so you know, it's it's coming soon. So in, in you know, in another couple of weeks I'll have pretty good immunity, and I'm already thinking about, like, wow, when I go to the gym, will I use an app? Like, I haven't been in a gym for a year, and I'm thinking, which machine will I use first? Like, how will I get back into, you know, gym world? Because, you know, one of the implications uh, of the pandemic, for me anyway, is, you know, not going to the gym, is my muscle mass has gone down a lot. Like, yeah, you can do a lot of... squats with a kettlebell and push-ups and stuff but it's just kind of not the same thing and you know i've I've always thought since the beginning of ages that they're just like a the keys to aging well are really rather simple um you know people make make it very complicated but it's really uh, maintain muscle tone as you possibly can good posture really very important uh and um you know a little bit of grooming here and there, right? So proper maintenance. Um, so, you know, thinking about, you know, when I talk about going to the gym and lifting weights and muscle, like I'm a, I'm like, I'm 166 pounds. So even if I'm in there all day, you know, doing whatever, Arnold is not in my future. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, but I can, you know, I, I, I just know having not lifted anything heavy for a year my my body is is really different so I'm really looking forward to getting back to that and a big part of that is nutrition and and what one eats when one eats it and all that and astonishingly I consider myself somewhat informed on these topics I have never spoken to a dietitian. amazing I don't know we all have our you know blind spots this is one of mine so is as, as part of the Inside Tracker platform, they um assign you a dietitian and they go over your blood tests. And so I had this remarkable conversation with my dietitian who is Ashley Reaver um, a week ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is just so <laughs> really simplifying the massive confusion and conflicting information that's out there about what to eat and when to eat it. So we've got Ashley Reaver coming up to simplify The question of, what do I eat, and when do I eat it? (laughs) We'll get her on in just a minute, right after we have a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, and we're doing an amazing giveaway with them, which we're going to tell you about in just a second. What is your inner age? Well, you know your chronological age, but do you know your biological age? That's known as your inner age. Inside Tracker will show you your biological age as well as an action plan of science backed recommendations with the goal of improving the quantity and the quality of the years ahead, which is what we all want, right? Founded by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard, Inside Tracker is a personalized health and wellness platform like no other. What's their secret? Well, first, Inside Tracker uses its patented algorithm to analyze your body's data and offer you a clearer picture than you've ever had about what's going on inside you. Then, Inside Tracker provides you with a concrete, science backed action plan for living a longer, healthier life and tracks your progress every day, every step of the way. You can find out your inner age too. So, we're teaming up with Inside Tracker to provide you with an exclusive giveaway worth over $1,700. You get a couple of Inside Tracker ultimate tests, you get the Inside Tracker DNA kit, you get Inside Tracker's inner age test, you get a review with a registered dietitian to go over all the recommendations, and guess what? You get a fitness review with me. <laughs> and we'll get to talk about uh, where your fitness is at for about half an hour. That'll be fun. Just go to weareages.com/giveaways/insidetracker to enter. And that's a lot of slashes. So if you can't remember that, the contest is on the front page of the Aegis website. You want to enter today. This is a great platform. It's a great giveaway. It's $1,700. You get a half hour with me. Woo. <laughs> so it's on the front page of the Aegis website. And uh, let's do this same because change is an inside job. Hey, Ashley, how are you today?
1: Good. How are you, David?
0: Oh, I'm doing pretty good. As, as prescribed by you, I had my... Um, oatmeal and chopped apple and my protein shake this morning so
1: awesome good way to start the day
0: I know (laughs) (laughs) I love the oatmeal and chopped apple it reminds me of being a kid it's like this sort of like yummy kid food but you told me it was like really good for me to eat so you gave me permission permission to eat it I love it now
1: I definitely started every single day with an instant brown sugar and apple um, oatmeal packet growing up so oh yeah they're with
0: you oh the instant stuff is horrible it's so it bad is. for you. It's so bad for you. <laughs> but the cook stuff, it, you know, that I put the oats and the water in a bowl and I put it in the microwave. And two minutes later, it's done. It's yep. like how much more instant do you really want it? Like, exactly. come on. <laughs> Can't you wait two minutes? <laughs> um, so thank you so much for coming on today. I'm, we had a conversation um, through Inside Tracker. Um, what was that like a week ago? And where we went over um, all my blood work, and you had these like awesome things to tell me about food. I mean, I find like there's so much contradictory, um, confusing, and conflicting information around food. There's, you know what I mean? There's uh, not yep. really that much conflicting information about exercise or like yeah. your money or stuff like that. It's all like, pretty clear. <laughs> but food, this like primary thing that keeps us alive, it's confusing. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think everyone eats. Therefore, everyone yes. thinks they are an expert <laughs> in food, Um, which definitely, you know, people, you're able to put out all sorts of stuff and nobody fact yeah. checks it or make sure you have no. education to be able to talk about it.
0: Yeah, the Internet. I mean, you can say anything on the Internet. Who, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: so you're here to clear up some stuff um, and. So the the first thing I I have so many questions, I have a whole list of questions here we're going to go through. Um, But so the first thing that I find is super interesting is this idea of macros. And um, so macros have nothing to do with macrobiotic, (laughs) that's that's something else. So um, tell us what are macros and why do we need to know about this?
1: So macros are the macronutrients that you eat in the largest amounts in your diet. They're also the nutrients that contribute calories. So there's four macronutrients. You often only hear about three, um, but protein, carbohydrates, and fat are the primary three that people would build you know, a macro plan around. But alcohol is also a macronutrient. It's one that also contributes calories to the body. All of the other nutrients, um, so water, fiber, vitamins, minerals, those are all considered your micronutrients. And macronutrients are supposed to um, well, the macronutrients provide more than just calories. They're also providing kind of the building blocks for your body to meet other needs that it has as well. Um, And typically, those are kind of, quote unquote, prescribed to people to give a little bit more structure than just eating a certain amount of calories. And it is important, you can certainly eat 2000 calories of just fat or just carbohydrates or just protein you're definitely going to be missing out on not just the benefits, but the requirements that your body has for those other macronutrients as well.
0: So let's talk about what these, um, we know what alcohol does. Um, (laughs) so we can, we can leave that one off. We're all very (laughs) versed in that. Um, but let's talk about like protein, carbohydrate, and fat. Um, so protein, why do I need protein?
1: So proteins are so much more than just muscle. And I feel like that's kind of the only thing that people think about with protein now um, is lean muscle mass. And it is incredibly important for that too. Um, But we need to eat proteins because the building blocks of proteins are amino acids. And those amino acids are, are used in the body for all sorts of things. Like proteins are also messengers in the body. Um, So having enough protein, there's a base minimum for how much protein you need. And it's more um, than just maintaining your lean muscle mass, although that's certainly a benefit of it. Um, If you're trying to make any changes to your physique, protein is something that also gets kind of increased a bit as well to try and deposit. You can think about muscle as basically depositing additional protein as well as additional calories in the form of muscle on your body.
0: Okay, so I need protein to keep my my brain from everything, right? Like if I'm not even protein- We need proteins
1: and amino acids for all sorts of stuff, like everything. Uh, it's so much more than just your muscle. Um, like collagen is a type of connective tissue that requires specific amino acids for it. Uh, other types of messengers that we have in the body require amino acids to be able to do that. Basically, every single- um, yeah, that's hard to explain other than saying protein, but your body has so many proteins that it does so much with outside of kind of how we think of protein as just being related to your muscle.
0: Okay, let's go to the um, fat. Fat's yeah, bad, fat, right? Why do I need fat?
1: So fat is makes up the majority of the fuel that your body really utilizes. So that's <laughs> one big one, um, especially when you're in... Um, lower intensity time. So like right now my body is primarily utilizing fat as fuel. Um, you also just need ample amounts of fats in your body for hormone production. Um, definitely it has a lot to do with um, making sure you have adequate amounts of energy as well. Um, same thing, those fats kind of have this building blocks, uh, like amino acids are to protein, building blocks of um fats are really fatty acids. Um, You can also have sterols, which could be cholesterol or plant sterols. Um, Omega-3s are a type of essential fatty acid that your body cannot make. Same with omega-6, although we get a lot of omega-6 in the body. And all of those have specific roles. Omega-3s in particular are considered to be really beneficial for heart health, as well as definitely preventing inflammation or helping your body deal with inflammation, I should say.
0: Now, carbohydrates, people are you know they're these sort of uh I find whenever we get into the realm of like food i'm gonna say like food religion like there's like <laughs> the keto religion, the vegan yeah. religion the you know, it's like so some of these religions um don't uh they think carbohydrate is like the the evil thing, terrible thing so wh- why on earth do I want to eat a carbohydrate?
1: So carbohydrates are the primary fuel source for your brain. Um, (laughs) Unless you are in ketosis, your brain requires probably somewhere between 100 and 120 grams of carbs per day. Um, We can get into ketosis in a bit. But if you are not in ketosis, your brain requires carbohydrates. Additionally, if you do any type of physical activity where your heart rate becomes elevated, then carbohydrates become the primary fuel source. And carbohydrates are the only type of fuel source out of protein, carbs, and fat, um, that your body can kind of regenerate, um, super quickly in order to produce like very fast muscle contractions. So, um, if you are basically between 30 seconds and two minutes, of some type of intense activity, carbohydrates are the type of fuel that your body is utilizing. It's the only type of fuel that it can utilize during that time. And then if you do longer endurance activities, like over 90 minutes, again, carbohydrates really come in as being the only fuel source that's available. um, You can think about it again, it's like regenerating or recharging your muscles so that they can fire again and again and again.
0: Okay, so
1: I mean, it's it's a fuel source at all times. But really, if you think about it, your muscles and your brain, that's what they want to use. Your other organs can get by on fat for fuel.
0: So suppose um, I've uh, I finished my dinner at six at night and then like eight o'clock the next morning. So most of the the glycogen will be out of my cells, Um, my liver will still probably have a lot of fuel in it. Um, where else do you store it? You store it in your muscle, in your muscle. Right. But that, that that goes out pretty quickly. Um, so say at like, you know, eight in the morning, I decide to have a 45 minute hit training session. What's the fuel my body's using?
1: Well, so overnight your liver glycogen is actually what's used for carbohydrates. So in order to maintain your blood glucose, you have like four, maybe six hours of, um, carbs, basically that your body utilizes from your liver, your muscle glycogen isn't necessarily tapped into during that overnight fast. So likely that's what you're utilizing in the morning. Most people have about a 45, maybe up to 60 or 70 minutes if they're well-trained store of glycogen um, in their muscles. So if you're starting off with, you know, as soon as you wake up, you haven't had anything else. If your workout is 45 minutes or less, You can probably get by with the stored fuel in your muscle, that stored glycogen. If your workout is over 60 minutes, um, that's really when I encourage having some sort of pre-workout something, usually a simpler source of carbohydrates, just so that you have enough fuel that your muscles really want to use um, or really can use once that glycogen store has been depleted.
0: So this brings me to the, um, so I want to lose fat. So in order to lose fat, I've got to deplete all my glycogen, right?
1: Not necessarily. Well, if you deplete all your glycogen, the first thing that happens is you lose a lot of water weight. Glycogen is a super bulky molecule. It gets stored with a lot of water. So oftentimes when people start a new diet or they go on keto or paleo, whatever it might be, when you cut back pretty drastically on the amount of carbohydrates that you take in, your body doesn't stop needing carbohydrates. It just uses the carbohydrates that you have stored. So over the next four or five days, you'll probably notice you're peeing a lot. You're going to notice a big change on the scale. And that's because as your body utilizes that stored glycogen for fuel, it's also releasing the water it's stored with. And oftentimes that's why, again, people that, you know, start these newer diets in the first week or two lose, you know, five or eight pounds. It's impossible unless you're, this has happened. um, People that like swing, swim the English channel or swim from Cuba to the Keys, they're gonna be able to lose five to eight pounds in a week because even in a few days, cause they're using that much energy. You and I though, unless we're doing some sort of intense thing like that, if you lose five to eight pounds, it's just water. Um, and the second that you eat a carbohydrate again, that glycogen is gonna get restored. So is that water and you're gonna regain some of that weight. Um, one thing I think super important though, with thinking about um, weight loss is if you're not eating enough calories, a lot of people assume that fat is the only thing that your body's going to use for fuel. When in reality, again, your muscles and your brain still need carbohydrates. So what happens is muscle gets broken down. A certain subset of those amino acids, that building block for muscle are, are glucogenic amino acids, meaning that they can be converted into glucose. So you're not just losing fat, you're also breaking down your muscle in order to make sure that your body still has enough of the diverse fuel sources that it needs to keep you running. Ketosis is when essential ketosis is your body, um, it's a like a survival mechanism of your brain being willing and able to stop utilizing glucose for fuel and switching to ketones because... Um, after you kind of deplete your glycogen stores in maybe three or four days, then your body goes to breaking down your muscle to release those glucogenic amino acids that convert into glucose. If your body kind of stayed on that trajectory, most people would be dead in about three weeks because you you would lose so much muscle mass that your body just wouldn't be able to to survive anymore. So your brain is what's ultimately responsible for making the shift to be able to utilize ketones as fuel to spare your muscle from being broken down.
0: And where's the ketone come from?
1: Um, So ketones are, they are a breakdown product in the citric acid cycle or Krebs cycle, kind of where your macronutrients go and are converted to actually energy that your cells can utilize. Um, Your body basically can take, fats, and convert them into the type of, um, I'm going to get super technical, but, and that Krebs cycle is something that happens that then puts something into the electron transport chain that becomes energy for your cells. If you have carbohydrates there and fat, that cycle works much more efficiently. If it's just fat, there's like a, a backup that happens in that Krebs cycle. And that backup of too much fat trying to be converted into fuel Is ultimately releases some of these um, ketone bodies, basically. So it's something that happens when you're only really utilizing a lot of fat for fuel, and this cycle kind of gets stuck because there's no carbohydrates to help it keep going. Sorry, that was deep.
0: Okay, no, I'm (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm good with that. Um, So it's like
1: they're they're backup. Basically, your body can't work through them, so they get they're like a backup type of thing that gets produced.
0: So, generally, the two things that um, people are interested in is they want to build muscle, especially as you get older, um, uh, there's a thing called sarcopenia, Mm -hmm. um, which means you're losing muscle mass. And so, muscle is like a really important, very important thing for a lot of reasons. It keeps you you strong, keeps your bones strong, but it's also, you know, it's a metabolic part of your body.
1: Yep, Exactly. Uh,
0: so, so you want to build muscle. Okay. That's great. Um, and I'm to lose, I want to lose my fat. So how do I, I mean, from what I understand here is I need a in order to build muscle, I need a calorie surplus to do that, but to lose fat, I need a calorie deficit. Square that for me. How do I do that?
1: Yeah. So I think an important place to start is stepping back in, and what, and thinking about what your metabolism is. Metabolism is such like a buzzword that's out there, but all your metabolism is, is the amount of energy that your organs require to keep you alive. Um, And we don't really get to dictate, you know, I want my liver to use this much energy today, or, you know, I want my kidneys to to increase the amount of calories they need to help me create a, a calorie deficit. But what we can control is the amount of muscle mass that we have. And the more muscle mass that you have, the more energy your body's going to need. And something that happens as you age, as muscle loss does happen at a slightly accelerated rate, is that also causes your body to require less energy. So especially if you're kind of eating at the same, um, let's say you're eating the same way you always have, now you're losing a little bit of muscle, not really through any fault of your own, but as you're losing muscle, the amount of energy that your body requires is also decreasing. So if you're still eating the same amount, then you're going to be in a little bit of a surplus that your body's going to store away for, for energy use at a later time. And that's typically part of the reason why most people as they age, see a shift in um, muscle mass decreasing and body fat increasing, even if there hasn't necessarily been a big change. Um, And there's two super important parts that go with being able to maintain and build additional muscle mass. The first one is that you have to have enough protein. So for, general population kind of the bare minimum requirement is 0.8 grams per kilogram to find your body weight in kilograms. You just divide pounds by 2.2. Um, usually I like to recommend that most people try and get one gram per kilogram. So just dividing your body weight by 2.2. And that being, if you just want to maintain your weight, the amount of protein that you try and have each day, um, as you age, that protein, comes up a little bit. So you end up being somewhere between a one and a 1.2 grams per kilogram. And that's, again, just to help to preserve the lean muscle mass that you have. Um, If you're actively really trying to build more muscle mass, or often if you're trying to lose weight, again, in order to to spare your muscle mass so that your body doesn't break it down for energy, then those numbers can shift maybe 1.4 up to 1.8 maximum grams per kilogram. If you're an athlete, you're also gonna fall into that 1.4 to 1.8 grams per kilogram too, just because you're causing a lot of muscle damage and your body needs those building blocks to repair it. Um, super important though, is just eating enough protein isn't enough to build more muscle mass. You also have to stimulate your muscles in order for them to you know, recover, repair, and, and deposit more of that. So strength training is something that's also incredibly important. Um so it's really if you're thinking about trying to increase muscle mass while decreasing body fat
0: yeah you do I have do to
1: have you <laughs> do have to have enough food because again if you're not having enough food you're going to be breaking your muscles down so you want to have enough food you want to have the right amount of protein which typically is more difficult for people as they age Um, as well as you need to make sure that you're doing some strength training three times a week, just to stimulate that muscle mass to, um, really to build new muscle mass because all of us are constantly breaking down our muscle for some purpose. Maybe it's just that it's damaged and we're removing it and repairing it, but you want to have all three of those things in place in particular, having enough protein, as well as that stimulation from, um, strength training has to be there too.
0: Okay. So, um, I weigh, I weigh myself every morning, um, which I think everybody should, because it's just a metric. You should know what you weigh. Um, and I wear, I track a lot of things and I I wear a whoop. So whoop tells me every day, like how many calories I burn. I don't know how accurate it is, but it's, it's a number. So say whoop tells me, um, so I've gone and I've lifted weights at the gym. Uh, and whoop tells me I've burned 2,400 calories. Okay, so now I want to do these two things, right? I want to build muscle and I want to lose fat. Can I do both of those at the same time?
1: It's a yes and a no. Yes, if you're building muscle, in theory, your body's going to require more energy. So that could put you into a calorie deficit. If you are intentionally reducing your calories to try and lose fat, it's going to be super difficult for you to at the same time build muscle. So instead, I like to encourage people to focus on building muscle. It's a slower process, but it's kind of like like when a snowball starts, like we're going to keep building on that process. Um, But if you're only focusing on calorie deficit, yeah, you'll lose some fat, but you're also going to lose muscle. So it's going to be counter to what you're trying to do.
0: So, okay, we're going to talk about me, my favorite subject. So so, whoop tells me, all right, David, you've burned twenty four hundred calories today. And how many calories do I need to eat to, for my mission, which is build more muscle and lose fat. So what, how many should I have?
1: I would say, honestly, a good place to start is just not being in a calorie deficit at all. Okay. And making sure that you have enough protein in your diet as well.
0: Okay. That's a good
1: place to start. For a lot of people, 2,400 calories is hard to do naturally. Eating is like a sport um it's something that you can't just expect is going to be eating is a
0: sport oh that's a quote of the day
1: (laughs) I like to think like with triathlon eating is the fourth sport of triathlon you have to put just (laughs) as much effort and time into eating enough calories as you do as you're training
0: I've heard I've heard I mean I don't have a problem eating a lot of food I I (laughs) I eat a lot of that's my like our grocery budget is insane um, but I know like women who eat like 900 calories a day or a cal- thousand like how uh-huh. do you stay alive? Uh, <laughs> very know.
1: like sluggish, tired, thinking that something's, you know, maybe their thyroid's off when really you're just not giving your body enough energy. One of my favorite things is to work with, uh, people and encourage them to eat more food and just, you know, the feedback, I have so much more energy. And it's like, you know, it's funny what, when you feed your body, what, like how you can feel being constantly tired. Is not normal. Um, it doesn't mean there's a thyroid issue. You have to eat enough food.
0: We have to. So now that, okay, so we'll get back to me again. So <laughs> I've 20 Whoop says 2400 calories and um, I've taken on serious eating as a sport and I'm, I've managed to eat 2400 calories, but the trick here is what's the macro balance. So the carbohydrate protein fat balance that will get me what I want? How do you, like, what, what would you say that would be?
1: So of those three macronutrients, protein and carbs have calculations. Fat does not. Um, so really I like to start with protein and the zone diet was a thing, I think in the nineties and early two thousands, um, of your macronutrient percentage always being the same, no matter how high your calorie needs are. And that's not true, um, because what you can do, you know, if you're thinking in kind of that mentality is have way too much protein in your diet, because you're trying, especially for people that have higher calorie needs, um, you know, if you eat 30% of a 3000 calorie diet from protein, that is way too much protein for your body. Um, Instead, what's going to happen when you eat excess protein is mostly that uh, you're going to use protein to up until a point that your body can utilize those amino acids, let's say for muscle building, but then excess protein, your body's going to break that down for those amino acids that can become glucose so that your brain and muscles can use it. Um, so instead you wanna go on these kind of specific formulas. Protein is really the one to start. So figuring out you know, what your goals are, if you wanna maintain your body weight, um, maybe you're not super active, Again, one gram of protein per kilogram of body weight. So just dividing your body weight by 2.2. If you're actively exercising um, or trying to build muscle, or I should say exercising and trying to build muscle, or you're trying to lose weight, so you are doing kind of an intentional calorie deficit, then you'd want to shift towards that 1.4 to 1.8 gram per kilogram. So that's going to give you your protein, like uh, your protein needs, and then you can deduct that protein has four calories per gram. So, you know, roughly, let's say that somebody has a hundred gram protein requirement, that's going to be 400 of their 2,400 calories comes from protein. So then you need carbohydrates and fat to help you make up the other 2000. Um, For carbohydrates, you know, we have a base minimum of 100 to 120. And I would strongly encourage people to not take that base minimum as that's what they're going to do. Like that's if you are never getting out of bed for your brain to function, you should have a hundred to 120 grams. Once you put your foot on the floor out of bed, your carbs needs are going to increase. Um, for most people, I would say that probably starts around 150 grams a day. And then the more active you are, that carb need goes up. Um, and the calculation for carbs isn't necessarily like... There are some, I'm sure that you could find that are just based on your body weight, but really where those calculations come in is, is the amount of physical activity that you do, um, in particular endurance activity. So if you're someone that, you know, always tries to get 10,000 steps a day, definitely push that up towards 200. If you are working out for, you know, two or three hours a day, then you're going to want to push that closer to probably three or 400 um, if you're an intense athlete, the highest I think I've ever seen is someone actively trying to eat 600 calories a day, especially ahead of a longer endurance activity the next day. So, you know, 600
0: grams a day, not 600. Yeah, calories. sorry,
1: 600 grams of carbs a day. Do you
0: ever, do you ever Which, see Michael Phelps' breakfast? Do you ever mm-hmm. see what he eats? Yeah, what he is. Uh, yeah, he's eating, eating like eight a, eight thousand calories a day. Exactly, it was a 8, job. Eight thousand calories, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's so hard, and you have to, and you know. I think this, that's also a super important like distinction of the type of calories that you're taking in. Right. Yes. Like some personally for me, I would rather you get the majority of your fats from plant sources than animal sources so that you have more of those healthier fats, not unsaturated fats, but your body utilizes like y- your body doesn't know that um, you've just eaten raspberries or a lollipop. It's going to use the glucose from both of those things the exact same way. So, that's also kind of an important thing that I, I think comes up a lot is sometimes people try and be so perfect with their intake that it is impossible for them to reach those higher levels. Like, it's hard to eat. I think it'd probably be impossible to eat 8,000 calories worth of fresh vegetables, quinoa, and lean chicken. <laughs> like, you just can't do it. But um, like a, a cow. lot of more active people, <laughs> right yeah you know, and honestly, that's a great point thinking about a cow and a gorilla. I hear this all the time when people talk about vegans. Um, you know these are two massive animals, especially the gorilla. They're so strong, um, and it eats a vegan diet. Also, it eats for sixteen hours a day. So if that's all that you want to do is eat for sixteen hours a day, you don't want to have a hobby or a job or a life, do it. you You can have a gorilla body, but for most people, you can't be eating raw vegetables all day and get that many calories. Sorry, that was a side rant.
0: <laughs> I, um, I, asp- I, am for 20 years, I've been an aspiring, um, little bit for like a vegan or aspiring vegetarian and I fail, um, be- <laughs> because of that, like I have to eat. It's, you know, I just, I'd be eating 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but let's, um, so let's talk about fats. So you didn't tell me yep. how many, um, how much fat one should eat, but we, like, if we look at, um, I use this app called my macros, which is it. I, a lot of people I know use it and I, I don't use it all the time, but it's really great to use it, you know, use it for like a few days or a week and you know, ex- and you put in everything that you eat and then it tells you like, there's no more mystery about what you're eating. Um, yep. Which, it, which I recommend. So um, with something like, say I, people go and they use my macros and the, you know, you, so you're getting the right amount, you, you've got your protein, which is the number one thing to sort of figure it out. We don't want to eat too much because as you, as you told me on our call, if you eat too much, you're just eating really expensive white bread. Exactly. <laughs> it just breaks it down, <laughs> right? So uh, that's not good. And it, eating white bread is not so good. So we know we don't want to do that. Um, so- the, the fat part of this, as I look at the, my, you know, the caloric intake on the, on my macro thing, where do I want that to sit? Because I need fat right for my brain. I need it for my yep. joints. Fat's a really good thing, but ha- first let's talk about how much of it and then where we're going to get it.
1: Yeah. So I like to think about fat kind of as filler. Like I said, there's no like calculation that based on your body weight, you should have this much fat. Um, if you use that calculation for protein and then you figure out a range of carbohydrates based on we have a base level of I don't want anyone to go below, but then it increases based on your activity. The amount of calories that you have left are really coming from fat in your diet. Could technically be alcohol, but I'm gonna encourage that to be fat. <laughs> <laughs> um for most people I would say that for um people in smaller bodies, 60 grams is a is a like low minimum if there's no, you know, issues with being able to digest fat, obviously, there's going to be special circumstances to everything. Um, On the high side, I would say, you know, maybe going up to 120 based on how much your calorie needs are, but falling somewhere in between is probably going to provide you enough energy to meet your calorie needs, as well as enough of those, you know, building blocks to do all of the beneficial things that your body requires fat for. Um, You know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, when the low fat, Craze was happening, and you could buy fat-free chips and cookies and ice cream. Oh, so bad! Awful, and that Awful. you know, honestly, that's kind of credited with being one of the reasons that di- the diabetes, diabetes. Uh, epidemic yeah. happened. Um, it's right. because they removed fat and they replaced it with sugar in order to make food still taste good. Oh. Um, so, um, definitely, I don't recommend low fat. Whenever I think of someone on a low fat diet, I also just think like. They must feel like paper blowing around, just so dry and frail and, and crinkly. Just because we need fats for so many beneficial things, um, for women in particular, I think that uh, restricting fat is something is kind of a natural gravitation. Sometimes, if there is a pull to eat less calories, typically you know fat per gram has the most calories um, of all three of those macronutrients. Um, but trying to be around 60 grams as a minimum and then building up from there is definitely what I'd recommend. And I'd say for females too, you know, fats are the building block for all of the sex hormones that, you know, all of us want to maintain for as long as possible. So drastically undercutting your intake of fat, not only drops your caloric, um, intake, but also is going to reduce the building blocks that your body has to create these sex hormones too.
0: I know that we're going to get a lot of hate mail on all this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever.
0: It's all right. on the-
1: one, I, I would say, I honestly, I've talked to so many athletes that are doing certain types of um, macro company, whatever they're working with them. And they're, you know, prescribed 16 grams of fat per day, which is two tablespoons of peanut butter. Um, you know, they're incredibly active. They are on their feet all day. And they're wondering why they're exhausted. Their joints hurt. They can't re- like recover from their workouts. And it's because your body needs fat. There is no reason to eat a 16 gram fat diet. Please do not do it. It is not worth it. Um, you will still look great in your bikini at 60 grams of fat and you'll feel a, a heck of a lot better.
0: Um, so let's talk about good fat, bad fat. So when, when we had our call, you there were a couple of things you told me um, you told, I really like ghee Um, and I thought ghee was like sort of a good thing. And you said, well, mm, it's 50% saturated (laughs) fat. I don't know if you really want to do that. Um, So let's talk about, um, let's start with the easy one, bad fats. What are bad fats?
1: Um, So bad fats, if we have to call them good or bad, typically are going to be saturated fats. Um, Saturated fats are the type of fats that can contribute to your body having elevated levels of LDL cholesterol, which is the type of cholesterol that if it's elevated for too long, as well as there's inflammation happening in your body, can start to deposit, um, well, can start to form those plaques in your arteries that can lead to a blockage, Blockage, and that's ultimately leading to a heart attack or stroke. Cardiovascular disease is the number one cause of death for all humans. Um, so monitoring that LDL level is one way that we can try and at least prolong um, or prevent as much as possible developing that cardiovascular disease. Um, saturated fats mostly are going to come from animal products. Um, so typically, if you see fat in meats, a large percentage of it is gone going to be saturated fat. Um, same thing with butter, dairy. Um, or sorry, butter, half and half, ice cream, anything like that is also going to have a really high percentage of saturated fats
0: in them. Um, What what about fish? So, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, really fatty fish, like a salmon. What about that? So
1: so it has some saturated fat in it, but for the most part, the types of fat that you'll find in fish are going to be more so these unsaturated fatty acids, Mm. um, including some omega-3s. Not all of it's omega-3, but a large part. Eggs are another good example there. A lot of the fat in eggs is not the saturated type of fat. Um, yes, there's still saturated fat that's in there, but relatively speaking, for a protein source, it's a pretty—it's uh, a protein source that's pretty low in saturated fat. Um,
0: outside oh, wait, of animal, yeah, I, I, yep, I got to stop go you ahead. there. So the egg. <laughs> so let's. So there is all this talk, right? Um, eggs, cholesterol. Um, bad for LDL, you know. I remember my doctor telling me like ten years ago, like, oh, well, maybe you should like cut back on the egg yolks or something. So, what's up with that? Is that you're telling me eggs are okay?
1: Yeah. So, dietary cholesterol, which is high in eggs, is typically why eggs every four or five years just get slaughtered. Um, a new study comes out, and the media takes like one sentence out of it, um, and then decide that eggs are are no longer a good thing. Then, like a few years later, it's you know, reversed. Um, dietary cholesterol is what you find in eggs as well as shellfish, mostly like lobster, um, shrimp and crab. And that dietary cholesterol, you know, how our body absorbs nutrients, it's not that we eat cholesterol, and it uh, automatically gets absorbed and becomes cholesterol in our bodies. It goes through the same process that our body does for breaking down Um, basically for breaking down other types of fats and absorbing them and then repackaging them into other things. And dietary cholesterol, we has about like a 10% impact. So if you have something that has a lot of dietary cholesterol in it, well, yeah, that number might look pretty scary. It only has about a 10% or only about 10% of that dietary cholesterol would actually have an impact on our LDL levels. What's so much more important is the saturated fat that is in that food. Um, So monitoring overall, the amount of saturated fat that you're taking in, you can either think of it on a day or like a rolling seven day average is a kind of an easier way to approach that. So you don't have to eliminate tons of foods. Um, That's what's much more important there than this dietary cholesterol part. So for eggs, eggs still do have saturated fat in them. Um, You could absolutely eat, you know, 20 eggs is probably going to get you around 25 to 30 grams of saturated fat which is more than what you should eat for a day. So yeah, you can overdo have you it on eggs. met
0: anyone who eats 25 eggs a day?
1: Um, probably not 25, but in theory, as an example, <laughs> you could get there. They have saturated wow. fat in them, like all sorts of other things. It's just trying to not have too much of this saturated fat that leads to elevated LDL. Um, so as far as protein sources go, I would always rather someone have an egg or two than having a hamburger because the egg is going to have a drastically lower impact on your cholesterol levels than a hamburger would.
0: So let's, um, so those are the, we're talking about bad fat, but, but I still need to eat fat. So what's good fat?
1: Yeah, so good fats are typically ones that you're gonna find from plants as well as, as those types of fatty fish. And that plant one, I should say, there's an exception there of three types of plant fats that are primarily saturated fats. Um, and that's gonna be coconut oil, Cocoa butter and palm oil. Um, palm oil, most people don't cook with, but it's found in like every processed food because it's very cheap. Um, not environmentally cheap, but as you know, financially it's a financially horrible cheap. product. Yes, yeah, all around. Um, cocoa butter, delicious. Um, you know, co- or chocolate has a lot of antioxidants that are also recommended. But if you have chocolate, look at the nutrition label. It's also pretty high in saturated fat. Um, and then that coconut oil, which I'm sure we'll get to more later. Um, Other than those three, the other types of plant fats like olive oil, nuts and seeds, um, avocado, those are all mostly contributing these unsaturated types of fats, which are monounsaturated or polyunsaturated fats. So those are the types of fats really to dig in and focus on. Uh,
0: I I love cacao and I, I put it in my smoothie. Is that okay?
1: So it's the same thing. Um, It's just like basically hasn't been separated. It's fine. Like I said, the goal is not necessarily to completely eliminate saturated fats. It's just to make sure that you don't have too much of them.
0: Uh, so, so I the,
1: would just check out what it says on that label and see how uh, much it has per serving.
0: I've never, I mean, I buy it in this bulk containers of powdered cacao. It's such a, it's my favorite feel-good drug. Like, <laughs> So, oh, please don't take it. doesn't that mean away. you have to
1: eliminate <laughs> it. It's just kind of being like, honestly, for uh, depending on how much you use, if it's powdered, maybe you use a teaspoon that probably has 0.05 or 0.5 grams of saturated fat. Oh. Nothing oh. to really be too concerned about, but it is in there. If you get a bar of chocolate every day, you're probably getting about 10 grams of saturated fat. Uh,
0: so, you mentioned coconut oil, which is, uh, yeah, divisive. Um, so some people are really into coconut oil because it has these medium chain, um, triglycerides, MCTs. Yep. Now talk to me about this. Some people, they like to, you know, they put a couple tablespoons of MCT oil in their, you know, tea or coffee in the morning. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. So coconut, I feel like the person that, um, marketed coconut oil as healthy really should be the most sought after marketer ever um coconut oil itself is actually higher in saturated fat than butter is um yes it's from a plant but your body's going to use that saturated fat the exact same way that it would if you were you know basically putting lard on things it's pretty equivalent to lard truthfully um MCT oils or MCT medium chain triglycerides make up a very small fraction of the type of triglycerides, which is just a general term for fat in coconut oil. The overwhelming majority of the types of triglycerides that you find in coconut oil or the types of fats are saturated fat. And these MCTs are medium chain triglycerides. They're absorbed in your body a little bit differently than the other, than long chain fatty acids, which are what most of the other types of fats are. Um, basically, they are utilized for fuel at a faster rate, basically. They're kind of more available for, for using as energy, but all fats your body can use as energy. Um, they're just absorbed a little bit differently, What doesn't necessarily... Well, what really doesn't make sense is though that maybe about 10% of coconut oil is these MCTs, these medium chain triglycerides. The other 90% are the same type of saturated fat that you find in butter and lard.
0: So yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, um, all right. So you've, you've got me off of coconut oil. I'm not going to go there. That's (laughs) bad. We're clear on that now. So that the, these, um, like if I put MCT oil in my coffee in the morning, um, what does that do to me? Is that good or bad?
1: It's expensive. Um, I would say MCTs like in isolation only exist in this supplement form. So don't hmm. choose coconut because you want to get MCTs because overwhelmingly they're not going to be there. Um, it, honestly, there's not a huge difference. It's uh, your body's going to use it as energy. So it's an expensive way for you to be able to eat maybe a hundred calories in the morning. Um, there's no different like it doesn't do anything different for your body than any other type of macronutrient that could contribute 100 calories basically it's a buzzword I think people use it a lot with that coffee that has butter and fat in it yeah it's energy that your body's going to use Um, just a very expensive energy source (laughs) okay One thing that also comes up a lot is on intermittent fasting people adding this to their coffee. It does. If you eat any type of caloric something, it stops your fast. So just as a note, I feel like those two things tied together a lot. Um, You know, starving yourself for hours after you wake up, but having a cup of coffee with MCT oils in it, it still stops your fast. And at that point you should just eat food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Um, let's go to one of my other big confusions here. Uh, So intermittent fasting seems like um, an intermittent fasting means like um, eating during a controlled window, whether that's, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours, and then you don't eat in the other period. How does that interface with, I want to go to the gym. So how do I do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, Let's see, I'll say a few things for intermittent fasting. What's I see people do this incorrectly all the time. Intermittent fasting is extending the fasting window of sleep. Basically, intermittent fasting is not choosing to starve yourself for long hours during the day. Um, So if you eat breakfast, then intermittent fasting is not, you know, not eating again until 6pm or something like that. Once you start that feeding window, it is super important that you still eat at pretty consistent intervals. Um, if you are trying to exercise in the morning and intermittent fast, I wouldn't recommend it um, just because, you know, if it's a 45 minute workout, you know, you have those glycogen stores that are available for your body to use during that 45 minute window. But on the backside of that, your body is going to try and restore those glycogen stores that you've utilized during that time. So if you work out, let's say at 6 a.m., but your first meal isn't until 12 p.m., that's six hours that your body has kind of been depleted of these glycogen stores. And similarly, just because you're not providing your body with carbohydrates to replenish that does not mean that your body doesn't re- like use carbohydrates to replenish them. So you can break down muscle to replenish those glycogen stores. Um, eating a post-workout meal, usually... It doesn't have to be super immediate, kind of the, the old school thought is that it should be there within 45 minutes, um, some sort of, of protein and carbohydrate mixture to help to replenish those glycogen stores and um, provide that enough amino acids to repair any muscle damage. Um, you can definitely space that out a little bit longer, but trying to eat within you know an hour or two after your workout is super important for helping your body to recover and, and uh, refuel from everything that's been used or damaged in the, in the workout that you did. Um, so if you're gonna work out in the morning, I would recommend moving up your intermittent fasting and, and starting to eat an hour after your workout and then maybe stopping eating earlier. Or if you wanna work out, shift that workout later into the day when you can adequately fuel and refuel from your workouts.
0: Yeah, that, I, I mean, that's sort of where I've ended up is I um, I do my workouts at like two or three o'clock versus the morning Good. because because I, I haven't been able to figure out the whole like eating window workout thing. It's too confusing.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a lot of um, like different things coming together that have absolutely nothing to do with each other and trying <laughs> to kind of make them work together. It's not gonna work together um, because truthfully, all of the studies on intermittent fasting you know, while there's recent studies on humans, the majority of them are done on, you know, rats or worms or whatever else that's out there. They're not intentionally exercising those organisms no. while they're in these studies.
0: Rats don't um, do so, Douglas.
1: No, maybe no. they run on a little thing. But, <laughs> yeah. um, there's no like the, the intersection of intermittent fasting and sports nutrition hasn't really happened. Um, so I think there it's it's kind of important to pick your goal and what your focus is. Right. Um, if you really want to focus on building muscle, working out and then not helping your muscles recover, probably not the best thing to do. Um, one thing I think is important with intermittent fasting too, is getting on a consistent eating schedule is honestly the biggest benefit of intermittent fasting. Um, there's no research that shows that eating in a six hour window is any better than eating in a 10 hour window. So it's just figuring out what which one of those windows is most realistic for you to to be able to stick to and trying to do that consistently. Just mm. like you and I work better on a schedule, if we're waking up at the same time, roughly eating at the same time, going to bed at the same time, we feel our best. Um your digestive tract also deserves the same type of of schedule and rest and your body likes a schedule and your digestive tract certainly fits into that as well. So that intermittent feeding or intermittent fasting, that feeding window is just being consistent with it is much more important than trying to condense it drastically.
0: Yeah, I, I've actually been reading about the the sort of sar- the circadian rhythm of eating,
1: mm-hmm. and that
0: and exactly this that um, they were saying that a lot of the benefit of intermittent fasting is simply staying on um, on a like on a circadian rhythm, just like you don't want to mess up your sleep schedule, you don't want to mess up your eating yep.
1: schedule. Exactly. And, you know, food obviously has plenty of great things in it, but it's also a ton of work for your body to be able to handle. Um, And if you've ever had a meal like right before you go to sleep, typically you wake up feeling hungry. And that's because your digestive tract hasn't really gotten a chance to sleep itself. It's kind of working Mm -hmm. throughout the night to deal with that, Um, which I always think is just an interesting like insight of you eat a big meal at night and then you wake up and you're starving when you would kind of expect that you'd be full. Um, that you would be able to last a little bit longer into the day.
0: Eating is a sport. (laughs) 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 So, um, you, um, when we, when we had our conversation last week, um, we were, you know, you mentioned some foods to me and, um, you know, I said, Oh, like, you know, I've started this like oatmeal and apple thing, which very comforting. Um, and then you mentioned barley and I was like, barley, Like, okay. It's like a component of whiskey, but like what, (laughs) what is, and so my guess is I probably have a blind spot on a whole bunch of foods that I could be eating that I'm not eating. Um, so, uh, wanted to tell people about barley and maybe there's like some other foods that we just have blind spots about.
1: Sure. So barley and oats are the two kind of specific types of foods that are really high in in a type of soluble fiber. Um, And soluble fiber is so important for not only your glucose metabolism, but also for helping your body basically increase its utilization of cholesterol. Um, We need cholesterol for all sorts of things, but we don't really get to dictate that. Um, One of the things that we need it for is producing bile, which is a digestive compound that helps us break down fats into a small enough form for us to be able to absorb them in our small intestines. Typically that bile gets recycled at 97%. Um, It's super, super efficient. But when you have um, soluble fiber in large amounts in your your diet, it traps that bile and transports it out. Since we need it, the body has to produce more of it. And it does that by utilizing our cholesterol store. So now we've taken basically um, something that we use at maybe 3% of replenishing bile. Now we're using it at a much much faster rate, and that soluble fiber in the diet is so so important for just helping to keep your cholesterol levels down. Otherwise, they can accumulate if we're not using them, using that cholesterol at a high enough rate. We don't really get to dictate that. Uh, we need cholesterol for hormones. We can't decide like we can't just think I want more testosterone today, or you know I'm going to intentionally increase my cortisol, um, or I'm going to put more cholesterol in the um, cell membranes of all of the cells in my body but we can intentionally increase the amount of cholesterol that gets used for producing bile. So that's the backstory of this soluble fiber. Um, Barley and oatmeal, they contain a specific type of soluble fiber called beta-glucan, which I kind of just like to think about as the stickiest type of the soluble fiber. It's the uh, most, uh, what has the highest rate kind of of removing that bile from your circulation. Um, And barley, most people I feel like have only ever eaten barley and beef and barley soup. Um, But there's so much more that you can do with barley. I like to think about it as just like the carbiest rice that you could imagine. It's pretty similar to faro. um, But you can swap it in anywhere that you would use rice or anywhere that you might have some type of a grain. Um, Just as again, another way to really boost this soluble fiber that you're able to take in, helping to reduce those cholesterol levels.
0: I never until you just explained it, I never understood how eating fiber removes cholesterol from my blood. Like I was thinking like, well, how does this work? It gets in my bloodstream <laughs> and then it like scrubs my arteries. Uh, I don't understand. Okay. That was great. Now I get it. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. So, Other foods I would say
1: are often yeah. neglected. Beans are another humongous one. I think it was the whole well, there's been a lot of iterations of low carb. But most recently, paleo has said that beans are terrible for you. Beans are honestly one of the best things that you can eat. They're super high in the soluble fiber. They're also a great source of protein. Swapping animal protein for plant-based protein like beans is going to decrease your saturated fat intake and drastically boost your fiber intake with just one swap.
0: What's your favorite bean?
1: Uh, I like white beans a lot, honestly. Oh. Um, if you make your own hummus, making hummus with white beans instead of chickpeas is a game changer. It's super good. Oh. Wow.
0: I'm into the aduki bean.
1: Oh, very exotic. Yeah. Uh, I
0: don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I like the taste. Um,
1: Pinto okay. beans are also very good, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> so we've got, um, uh, okay, so there's barley. Um, there's beans. Um, I'm sort of into the mushroom thing. You like, Is mushrooms good?
1: Yeah, so mushrooms, I would say, um, they're super high in a a specific antioxidant, selenium. Um, And that is part of kind of our body's antioxidant defense network. Um, In itself, it's also supposed to be antifungal and may be helpful for other things. Um, There's no real research. There's so many brands that are coming out with all sorts of functional mushroom products Mm -hmm. and there's no research on any of those. But if you look at the nutrients that are contained in mushrooms, like those are beneficial things to eat in higher amounts too. I would say also, if you're trying to reduce your intake of meat, mushrooms are um, pretty high in umami, that kind of like meaty Mm. um, taste. Um, So, you know, swapping out meat, but adding in a lot of chopped mushrooms to your beans, tomato paste is another thing that's super high in umami that can still give you that same meaty flavor without requiring it. Exactly. Requiring the amino, it's just amino acids that you find from meat. That's what makes it taste meaty. These foods are also high in those amino acids that our tongue perceives as savory.
0: Um, give me two other foods that like I should be eating that I'm probably not.
1: Um, I love berries. I would say as far as Mm -hmm. fruit goes, berries are a really great one, just as how much fiber they contain and they're relatively pretty low in sugar. Um, Broccoli or Brussels sprouts would also be really good ones. Cruciferous vegetables are also incredibly good for you. So any of those (laughs) vegetables that may make some people a bit more gassy, those are good veggies for you to eat. Bok choy, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. Um, Now I'm blanking on them. But anything that's in that cruciferous family should definitely be included in in your daily menu pretty often. Oh, one more. Sunflower seeds. Um, Sunflower seed or sunflower seed butter is really the best source of vitamin E another type of that antioxidant that
0: your body uses saturated fat.
1: Um, It might have some peanut butter has some saturated fats. Most fats are not going to be saturated fat free. Mm. Um, But if you're comparing sunflower seed butter to butter, coconut oil or butter, (laughs) the ratio is very, very different.
0: (laughs) Okay. And um, if cruciferous vegetables make people gassy, what do they do?
1: Um, so they're pretty high in sulfur and I don't know if the exact mechanism is like explained as to what they do in the body, but I feel like if you were to Google that now you'd see a buzzword of detoxifying your liver detoxifies you. So you don't need to you know, gravitate towards anything for that purpose. Um, but intake of those vegetables just tend to be more associated with decreased risk of cancer as well. Um, so those are ones that I would definitely push. Not only are there also really good sources that insoluble fiber, um, which is good for moving things through the body consistently, doesn't have an impact on your cholesterol, but still an important type of fiber to get in.
0: That's the psyllium stuff that you.
1: So psyllium is actually a soluble fiber. Oh. Um, a good way to see if something's soluble fiber, or insoluble fiber is to put it in a cup of water, hmm. see what happens to it. If it absorbs a lot of water, it is soluble fiber, which is why psyllium husk turns into cement if you don't drink it right away. Mm. Um, Whereas broccoli and celery don't have soluble fiber in them. So they still look like broccoli and celery once they've been in water for a little while.
0: Psyllium is disgusting.
1: (laughs) It is not pleasant.
0: (laughs) No, I I mean, only only because of you and the inside tracker recommendations (laughs) do I do this to myself. But yeah, it's uh, yuck.
1: Yeah. it It is cement for sure.
0: Yeah. You got to, it's, you, you got to, you put it in the water, stir it and immediate, like you, it's like 10 seconds. You got to put yeah. it in or you've got just a, you know, a glass of glop.
1: And um, it is not recommended for much older adults because it can get really, really difficult.
0: Oh no. It's definitely <laughs> oh, a choking no. hazard. <laughs> I could see that. Um, okay. So these are, so we've been talking about things that like that we're missing from our diet that we, that we should eat. So give me top five health eroding foods.
1: Um, coconut oil. I, will, I would say there's no food. You really
0: that, don't like that stuff.
1: I think it's fine. There's no food that you should not eat blanket across the board other than poisonous mushrooms or foods that you're allergic to. Coconut oil, I think just grinds my gears a little bit because so many people intentionally add so much of it to their diet. Right. And then wonder why they have high cholesterol. Mm. Um, and there's just not enough education out there, one, about what causes high cholesterol, but also that this health food is significantly contributing to that, too. Um, but sugar. I honestly, honestly, sugar is just a, a nutrient. You can overconsume everything. I would say the best times for you to have simpler sugars are when you can utilize your muscles. To help pull it out of your bloodstream. So before, during or after a workout is really where you should try and concentrate those simpler forms of sugar. Again, your body doesn't know if you're eating raspberries or if you're eating a lollipop. So I'm not super for demonizing sugar. Definitely. I don't want just as I wouldn't want you to eat 20 lollipops in a day. I also don't want you to eat 20 cups of raspberries, like does the same thing in your body. I, yeah. I wish I could give you a list, but I don't have a huge oh. <laughs> foods that are lower in saturated fat. But that doesn't like my mom makes great fried chicken. Do I eat it every day? No. But if I go home and she makes me fried chicken for my birthday, I'm absolutely going to eat that because it's not something that I eat all the time. Right. Um, steaks, you know, if I have a steak every now and then, it doesn't have an impact on on my health because it's not something that I'm eating three or four times a week.
0: I th- I think that that's. Um... Really, really wise to keep in mind that this idea of, you know, this sort of, I need to think of another word, but sort of religiosity around certain sort of eating patterns, um, you know, ease up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We're not perfect.
0: <laughs> it's okay. And it's
1: okay. Yeah. I think that also is what gets people, when you're trying to make a diet change, um, so frustrated and defeated when you cannot be perfect. And truthfully, I like to really recommend that people look at, like, you feed yourself 21 times a week. If you're focusing on 21 individual meals, it's really difficult, or I should say it's really hard or really easy to feel like if one of those 21 opportunities goes bad, then like you're a failure. But if you're looking at all 21 of them, if you have four of them that maybe aren't perfect Okay, who cares? Like 4 out of 20 is pretty good. Um and I would just encourage people to instead of focusing on making each food or each meal as perfect as possible, think about it as an overall diet pattern. Mm. Including one food or excluding one food isn't going to have an impact. It's really how all of those foods kind of like interact with each other and that's why most research is on a meal pattern being beneficial for health, not necessarily the research that comes out about like if you eat a chili pepper or blueberries or like that doesn't take into account everything else that you're eating. And that's really what's Hmm. more important than just focusing on these singular foods.
0: I once went, um, I was invited to um, an Oktoberfest um, dinner with like half a dozen of the world's foremost longevity scientists. And I was really excited to see what do longevity scientists eat? Like, (laughs) I mean, I, I, right. So I go in there and what is it? It's um, sausages and cake. And <laughs> I looked at this, there's a whole spread of this stuff. There's like five cakes, and all these different kinds of German sausages and stuff. And I was, and so um, I asked them, I said, so um, help me to square this. And they're like, they basically said, dude, lighten up. It's Oktoberfest. We're all going to die at some point. Anyway, have a piece of cake. <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> yeah. So,
0: you know, um, they don't belong they to big, any food religion. They're
1: having like, some of those types of foods in there, sprinkled throughout, is what's yeah. like helpful for you overall. Keeping those good choices in, instead of right. being like, "I'm a failure. I can't do it. I might as well uh, yeah. just eat at you know whatever." Insert fast food restaurant or whatever else bad food well, or, like.
0: Right? Because you you know the it's like um, you know this idea of perfectionism leads to like sort of procrastination and paralysis, mm-hmm. and then all, and then all of a sudden you're at Burger King. Right. And, and it's like and then you no. black out and you're
1: eating a popcorn. Right. right,
0: right. <laughs> and it's you know, yeah. take it easy. It's all right. Like 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 as you said, you need to look at this in sort of a a longer time frame than just that one meal or just that one day. It's
1: yep. what's
0: the week, the month, the year. What like that's where the impact is.
1: Yep. And again, one I think something else that comes up a lot of times is if someone has one bad meal, then they're just, you know, F it. I've I've wasted the day, I've right. wasted the weekend, I've wasted this week. I'm a terrible person. It's one meal. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That's really funny. Um, well, this has been just like super interesting. And i um, you know, I I really want to thank you for demystifying so much of this. Uh sure. It, it can get uh one can get paralyzed by reading all this information and you just give up and um but it's it's not that hard
1: i mean definitely i saw something on instagram the other day that was like if you took all the information from these six books you would literally not have any
0: food to eat yeah you would just starve (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i i mean if you're honestly people are trying to sell books so they're trying to make things sensational people are trying to sell this one thing for you to focus on because if you have to think about everything it really is overwhelming um, but yeah. it's not that hard um, in the sense of also like following following your intuition a little bit and, you know, asking yourself, does it make sense for me to put three sticks of butter in my morning coffee? Step back. Probably not. Does it make right. sense for me to eat, you know, hamburgers and steak and whatever for breakfast, lunch and dinner every day? Probably not. Um, but if you kind of like are only consuming information that is feeding you this type of stuff. Um I feel like people just get down in a rabbit hole and yeah, they aren't able to see the world anymore.
0: <laughs> just eat real food. You know, it's uh yeah. you know, if if you're just if you're sort of confused you just eat the outside of the supermarket. Stay out of the center of the supermarket. Only bad things happen there. Just yeah. Yeah, eat the outside. You'll be fine.
1: And and I think having some general frameworks for like the amounts of types of foods you'd want to include can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um of just, you know, approaching how you're, I always like to say, don't let food happen to you. It's the one thing that we actually need. Right. Mm-hmm. You can be a little bit proactive. It doesn't need to be something that, you know, catches you off guard or you know you're you think you're out of control of because you can be right. in, in control of it and it doesn't require yeah. you to be a control freak to, to, to do that
0: exactly that's unpleasant nobody likes a control freak not <laughs> even the control freak likes a control freak <laughs>
1: exactly. really
0: unhappy um, actually <laughs> this has just been a delight thank you so much for your time today
1: of course i really enjoyed it
0: thank you for listening to the show today i hope that was as helpful to you as it was to me i mean let's demystify this what do we eat and when do we eat it simple questions that are really get really complicated hey if you like the show maybe tell your friends about it and let's get them in on this and you can always leave a comment you can always rate us and if you want to contact me directly hit me up David at superage.com and I will get back to you directly I answer all of my email personally. And just like another word about Inside Tracker, they are doing—they're giving—they're giving away this amazing package, and you get people, you know, like Ashley and all of their science, and it's—it's it's a great thing. Somebody's going to win an amazing package out there, and I would really encourage you all to sign up and get in on that giveaway. Have a wonderful week, everyone. And next week we've got another great guest lined up. Take care now.